Well, Michael Freund is with us. He's founder and chairman of Shavei Israel, dedicated to assisting descendants of Jews and the lost tribes of Israel to reclaim their roots. Born and raised in New York, moved in 1995, appointed thereafter by Prime Minister Netanyahu to serve as Deputy Communications Director. Left the Prime Minister's office, and then we fast forward, and he is um, and he leads Shavei Israel, which is making a tremendous impact when it comes to the present, when it comes to the present and the future of the Jewish people. Michael Freund, welcome to JM and the AM. Thanks, great to be with you. Uh, Yoni, you want to uh, put this microphone up, please? Thank you very much. There you go, Michael. Welcome. Thanks. Appreciate you being here. I'm at uh, my Shabbos table a few weeks ago, and I have a guest from Addis Ababa. And he says to me that uh, his family left the villages of Ethiopia to move to Addis Ababa because it would increase their chances of Aliyah. And I said to him, while you've been here and you've heard Shiurim and you've you know, met people from the area, has anything struck you? And he said, I was listening to a, shi- to a Shiur by a specific person about the mitzvah of living in Israel. And I turned around to everybody in Teaneck, New Jersey, and said to myself, how is it possible that all these people can move at a moment's notice and they don't do it? And we're suffering for 20 years trying to make Aliyah from Addis Ababa. And, you know, and I thought that was a very interesting um, point of view or you know, philosophical <laughs> angle to the entire discussion about so many people on this earth who are pining to get to the Holy Land. And we, of course, I could say, because I'm still living in the U.S., take it for granted. It's very true. And in fact, it's one of the most inspiring parts of the work that I do is um, traveling all over the world, seeing these far-flung communities who make such enormous efforts to maintain uh, their Jewish practices, their Jewish tradition, and who have this real longing for Eretz Israel, for the land of Israel. And it's... Um, in many ways, we think that uh, by bringing them here, they strengthen us, which is true. Um, but they also inspire us as well. They inspire us to be better, and they remind us about what's really important. And just so that our my audience understands, you are a kippah-wearing Orthodox Jew, and I say that because I'm sure a percentage of the people listening right now are saying to themselves, do we know if these people are, quote-unquote, really Jewish? Like they're, they have all these Jewish practices that are dominant in their village, in their community, in their synagogue, etc. But do we know what their heritage is? And I'm wondering how important that is. Oh, it's critical. Uh, my organization, Shave Israel, we work very closely with the Rabbanut Rashid, with the Israeli chief rabbinate. And um, in cases uh, where conversion is required by the, by the chief rabbinate, uh, that is what is done. Uh, if it's a matter of a safek, if it's a matter of a doubtful status, um, then uh, the person goes through the requisite conversion process. And they generally cooperate. Very much so, very much so. How and many countries are they from? How many different parts of the world do we find these types of communities? Well, um, let's bear in mind, we all know from Jewish history that uh, no people was persecuted like our people, right. and we were scattered to the four corners of the earth. So it's no surprise that we would find nowadays traces or remnants of Jews just about everywhere that you look. Uh, Shavei Israel now is active in uh, more than a dozen countries around the world with a variety of different communities. Each one is unique. Uh, they range from the Bnei Menashe, 
the descendants of one of the ten lost tribes of Israel, uh, the tribe of Menashe in northeastern India, to the Chinese Jews of Kaifeng, to the hidden Jews of Poland from the Holocaust, to the Moranos or the Bananusim of Spain, Portugal, and Central and South America. Each story is very different, um, but we're in witnessing this incredible awakening that's taking place as more and more Jewish neshamas um, are suddenly desiring to come back to our people and to our land. Um, I sometimes find it frustrating that people who, who are very adherent and who are strict about following our tradition sometimes do not realize that that same tradition demands that we be very open to those who want to be part of our people. Um, not just referring to non-Jews who, are, who want to be converts, but referring also to those who you describe who are keeping Jewish practices to whatever degree, sometimes very different than the way we do it, but they have expressed this, this love and desire to be part of the Jewish people and Eretz Yisrael. Do you, do you find a lot of pushback, or am I just thinking of a small minority in the Jewish world that feel that way? I think um, whatever issue one might uh, choose in the Jewish world, you're always going to get pushback, uh, no matter what the issue is. And certainly when it comes to matters of conversion, which touch upon a range of sensitive subjects. Right. Um, Both Ashkenazic and Sephardic communities. Right? Exactly. Um, and the fact is that for the past 1900 years, we got the stuffing kicked out of us uh, over and over again. And I think that had an impact on how we view outsiders who want to join us. Right. 200 or 300 years ago, if Ivan came over the hill to the shtetl and wanted to come to the Minyan, uh, allowing him to do so would have possibly endangered the entire community because his relatives would come the next day and we all know what would, uh, happen. What would happen. Nowadays, that we are a sovereign nation in our own land, that we stand tall and proud on the world stage, I think that it's time for us to find a mechanism, obviously within the boundaries of halakha, to be more warm and open and welcoming to those who want to join us, and especially, how much more so, if we're talking about people who are descendants of Jews, who are Zerah Yisrael, and who are looking to return to the fold. I believe very passionately and strongly we have an obligation towards those people who are descendants of Am Yisrael. If they're knocking on our collective door, asking to be allowed back in, how can we possibly slam the door in their faces? Here? Right. How many Jews are in China that, of the category that you're describing? Uh, there was a Jewish community in uh, Kaifeng, in the city of Kaifeng, which began in the 7th or the 8th century. It was founded by Sephardic Jewish merchants who settled there. In the Middle Ages, there were as many as four to 5,000 Jews. They built, today? Today, there are about uh, 1,000 people who are descendants of that Jewish community, and we can identify them via family trees. Is their Shabbat service anything like ours? Well, in recent years, the unfortunately, the communist government there has cracked down on the uh, remaining uh, Jewish descendants in Kaifeng and has forbidden them from gathering together and praying and celebrating Shabbat and the Chagim. We've been able to bring about two dozen young Chinese Jews on Aliyah to Israel. In Living in a years. specific area here or it could be anywhere? In Jerusalem. In Jerusalem. We have the, uh, the beginnings of a nascent uh, Chinese Jewish community here in Jerusalem. They all go through a full uh, conversion by the chief rabbinate to remove any doubts about their status. And um, this too was foretold by the, uh, the prophets, uh, Yeshayahu, 
Perak Memtet Pasuk Yud Bet, chapter 49, verse 12, at the end of the verse, Yeshayahu says that at the end of days, Ela Me'eretz Sinim, and those from the land of the Chinese, they too will come back. And I'd like to think that uh, the Aliyah of the Chinese Jews is the fulfillment of that prophetic vision. For those who wonder if we are truly in Reishit Smichat Gulatenu, that would be one of the proofs. I think we're even past the Reishit right, part. Right, even past the Reishit at this part, Baruch Hashem. Michael Freund is here, head of Shavei Yisrael. How did you get involved in this work? Uh, back in 1997, uh, it was shortly after the, uh, the withdrawal from Hebron. I was working in the Prime Minister's office, and I happened to sit next to a lovely guy named Bobby Brown, who was a Diaspora Affairs Minister at He's the with time. us today. How do you like that? And he happens to be here with us. And a letter f- addressed to the Prime Minister from the Bnei Menashe, from the community in northeastern India, arrived on Bobby's desk. And um, Bobby thought I would be interested in this subject. And um, I read the letter. I initially was very skeptical. I did not believe that they were, in fact, from a lost tribe of Israel. Uh, I grew up in the New York area. You had the same education we had. Right. (laughs) Every Jewish person I knew looked just like me. And had to. (laughs) Maybe they weren't as handsome, but but they they all grew up in the same neighborhood. Um, So it just struck me as bizarre that there might be a lost tribe of our brethren in the far reaches of northeastern India. But um, I met some members of the community. I saw how sincere they were, how committed they were to living a life of Torah and mitzvot and moving to Israel. And uh, so I became involved in helping them together with Bobby. And uh, thank God we were able to arrange through the bureaucracy for large numbers of them to come on Aliyah. And in, in 99, when Netanyahu left office, I left the prime minister's office. And I began thinking more broadly about this question of Zera Yisrael, of descendants of Jews. And I simply got on the plane and started traveling and visiting all these uh, far-flung places. And I saw that these communities are out there. These people are out there. They're still conscious of their historical Jewish connection. And I think it's in our interest, our national interest, to be extending a hand to them, reaching out to them. Because... Uh, even if it's someone, also our religious obligation, likely, as I tried to point out earlier. Yeah, but, you know. I mean, you know, um, many of us, uh, right, in Shacharit every morning, right before we uh, begin the Amidah, we say, we ask Hashem, Ufdei Chinumecha Yehudav Yisrael. We may not realize it, but every morning we're davening that Judah, the Jewish people, and Israel, the ten tribes, should be redeemed and brought back here. It is part of our eschatology. It is part of our view of the the end of days, that they are all going to come back here. And our purpose in this world, of course, is to uh, partner with HaKadosh Baruch Hu to do what we can to bring holiness into this world. And I'd like to think that we are setting the stage for the ultimate redemption by helping those who were lost and dispersed uh, to come back home again. mentioned this earlier, and I don't know if it's exactly in your area of expertise, but you know how desperate the Jews in Ethiopia are to make Aliyah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a very difficult and complex situation. The government has passed a number of resolutions on the issue in recent years. There has been some resistance within the bureaucracy to bringing those people over. Um, uh, the government now just decided to bring another thousand right. people, uh, so hopefully they will come uh, this year. Slowly but surely, that problem will be resolved. But uh, it, it shouldn't take this long. It shouldn't be this difficult uh, to bring back 
those who truly want to uh, rejoin the ranks of our people. Well, and we're getting to the point where so many of these people, I'm sure already, are helping transform the state of Israel in, in, in important roles and in important capacities. Absolutely. I know among the Bnei Menashe, we've been blessed to bring almost 4,000 Bnei Menashe and Aliyah to Israel. There are another 6,500 or so still in India waiting to come. A number of young people in the community have already, young men have gotten uh, smicha, have gotten oh, yeah. rabbinical ordination. Uh, they all serve in the army. Many of them volunteer for combat units. Uh, we have a growing number of young Bnei Menashe who go to Israeli colleges and, and universities. Uh, the first one just got into the Technion uh, last year. Uh, so they are making great strides to become part of the fabric of Israeli society. And not that I should harp on it, but it always in, it interests me. Geographically, are they in one specific area of Israel, or are they everywhere at this point? We settle them in batches in various communities. What would be an example of a place where um, they're significant? Uh, we brought two large groups this year um, of about 450 people altogether. Half of them were settled in Beit Sha'an, the other half in Nesher, which is outside Haifa. We have other communities in Akko, Ma'alot, Upper Nazareth, Tzfat, Tveria. Amazing. Um, we want to ensure that uh, we don't put them all in one place and then they don't integrate. We want them to um, really become part of this country. How do people get more information about Shave Israel? Uh, I would encourage them to check out our website, www.shavei.org, shavei.org, and to join us in this historic mission of bringing our people home. And for those Jews who are uh, who are still there in, in New Jersey and New York and elsewhere, um, I don't judge anyone's uh, personal decisions, but um, give Aliyah more thought. Just like you ask Shilas about what goes into your mouth, ask Shilas about where your body really needs to be in this world. And where it belongs. Tadarabha. Thank you so much, Michael Thanks. Freund. What an honor to have you here. Uh, check it out, Shavei.org, right? Shavei.org for the website for Shavei Israel. And uh, Michael Freund doing amazing work in a very sensitive and incredible area here in the state of Israel.